Good morning and welcome back. This is Vermont Viewpoint. I'm your host, Brad Furlan. It's Valentine's Day. Hope you're having a good Valentine's Day. We're here at Studios WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. If you want to join our conversations, 802-244-1777. We love having listeners call in and share your views about uh, our topics and what's going on in your world related to them. Uh, we are now going to the phone lines. Uh, my first guest, uh, Gregory Tetro, uh, with Jenna's Promise. Uh, welcome to the show, Gregory. Hey, good to talk to you again, Brad. Yeah, good morning to you. And, uh, we're hoping, I think that, um, Gary Tacarelis and, and maybe your dad are going to join us, but we'll certainly start with you and, um, they can join in, um, as they call in. That, yes. Um, I think Greg is trying to make it, but it's looking a little bit more unlikely. Okay. Okay. Well, we, we have you and that's important. Uh, so this, um, this is a tough time of year, uh, for the Tetros, uh, this week especially. Uh, Jenna's promise, uh, recognizes the loss of your sister. Can, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So tomorrow is the five year anniversary of, um, Jenna's passing. She, you know, for six years struggled <clears throat> through uh, going to different treatment centers and rehabs. Um, and she, at about this time, um, a couple of weeks before, she was actually doing quite well. She had almost 60 days in recovery. Um, and, you know, in in this, this line of work, in this world, you know, um, a small slip up can send someone spiraling. And <clears throat> for her... She ran into somebody from her past, and um, it was just kind of a step down a, a steep sliding pyramid, and uh, she ended up relapsing, and then when she was about to go back into treatment, she decided to, uh, um, she, she wanted to use one more time, and it was a fatal overdose, essentially, um, and so that happened um, tomorrow, five years ago. Well, we are very sorry for that, of course, Gregory. And, uh, we're, I'm also commend you for your bravery of being able to share this with our listeners because I think it is important that, that people, you know, know about this and, and, you know, how, how tragic it is to people's lives. So thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, there's part of the story though, and really the, can you help us with, the naming of Jenna's promise and, and how that transpired. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Jenna, even when Jenna was struggling herself, um, she was always, uh, really in, in, uh, she was, uh, very concerned with the well-being of others essentially. And so she was always trying to help people. Um, <clears throat> and she was trying to help keep them, uh, going to treatment, trying to help get them into treatment. When they were in recovery, she was always advocating for them to kind of stay in recovery, even when she herself wasn't strong and she was slipping. And so um, the origin of the story of, of Jenna's Promise and the name of this organization it was, it was another similar situation where Jenna was doing well. She was trying to find a way to get someone else to uh, stay in treatment because they didn't have the money to stay in the recovery housing. And so basically she was trying to kind of convince uh Greg and Don to kind of help out. She did this a lot 
And the conversation kind of evolved a little bit. And basically she's like, I'm going to be here for six months. And then after that, she was talking to her mother saying, um, you know, after that, I'm going to be, I want to devote basically um, my life to helping people in recovery. And she wanted to go out with my mother and her, and uh, they would go out and uh, try to, to make something of it essentially. And so the idea of Jenna's promise is it's, it's, uh, that was the hinge point where she basically said, you know, I promise you, I'm going to go out and do this. And so when she passed, it really started with, you know, the family and then really has grown to this wider um, grassroots movement of people trying to help people uh, in recovery and kind of fill in the gaps. But we do feel like we're carrying the torch that, you know, um, was lit by Jenna um, in that conversation with uh, our mother. So even in the very trying, troublesome moments for Jenna, she's talking with your mother and saying, we got to help others. Uh, that's, that's the premise. Exactly. And she saw, and we saw where, you know, the national uh, system that tries to deal with substance use disorder just doesn't, isn't working. Right. Jenna, at times she would stumble by herself, but at other times the obstacles that were put in place were so um, overwhelming that, you know, she, She'd, she'd stumble on those obstacles. She couldn't climb over them, whether it was trying to find housing, you know, whether it was trying to find a, um, a job. And all of these things weren't working in conjunction with each other as well. And so that and, you know, the stigma that happened in the community as well, where people would view her as a druggie, you know, and that's a direct quote that people will call her. Um, it really closed the doors on her. <clears throat> and then, you know, it's not a surprise that she spirals in that negative direction. And so a lot of the work that we're trying to do is find ways to fill that gap, but also really be outward and talk about substance use disorder and that there's hope for recovery because that's how we break down that stigma. And when people are in recovery, you see that they're just like you and me. You know, they are striving to find a career and a family and to take care of their loved ones. Um, and so that is a human story. And I think part of the hope is on a day like tomorrow is instead of it being kind of a heavy day for us where we're, we're really sad, we're really trying to utilize this opportunity um, to really have a conversation uh, with people about, uh, you know, the idea that there's this human face of recovery. And right now I think a lot of the conversation has kind of been around some of the, the darker sides of substance use disorder, um, which is part of this conversation. We can't bury our heads in the sand and pretend that there's nothing to this, but it is a small part. Um, and the, the story of recovery, most people, um, is one of, of um, struggling for something better. Well, thank you for that. Um, I want to uh, hit more on um, Johnson, Vermont, and all of Jenna promise you you've really grown into quite a uh recovery organization but i also want to now uh welcome gary to carlos to the show gary is the executive director of the turning point center um uh well uh gary welcome to the show uh Thank you you, you were the executive director of turning point center of chittenden county for eight years um, that's and, correct and now, can you tell our listeners what, what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, so now I'm the executive director of an organization called Recovery Partners of Vermont. 
<clears throat> it is an umbrella organization um, that uh, in its membership has all the 12 recovery centers across the state. Uh, Vermont Foundation for Recovery, which has a number of recovery residences across the state. Um, Jenna's Promise and the Vermont Association for Recovery Residents. So, um, and all those organizations, uh, by and large, are, are staffed by people in recovery themselves. So what Gregory was talking about earlier, uh, in terms of it, it could be anybody, um, um, is absolutely true. And also, recovery is very possible and is being done every day by hundreds of people across Vermont. Yeah, and, and Gary, what you just said um, was a little bit of what uh, Jenna was had all this um, peer interaction where they were helping each other, and and that's a, a a big premise as well in your recovery centers. Absolutely, <clears throat> you know uh, that's exactly true, and you know I I can tell you countless stories of into the recovery center early in the recovery volunteering at the one of the recovery centers for a period of time, maybe going to get trained as a recovery coach, and in many cases end up being the executive director down the road. Um, and um, it's when people reach recovery, the transformation of becoming themselves um, really is an amazing thing to watch and unfold. And the talent and the skills and the energy and commitment and compassion to this work is beyond belief. Well, I know that you have been dedicated to this field for a long time and have really made um, major improvements in, in all of uh, Vermont's uh, care for uh, substance use addiction. So certainly appreciate that, Gary, very much. Uh, we're talking with uh, Gregory Tetro of Jenna's Promise. Uh, Jenna uh, succumbed to an overdose five years ago tomorrow, and we're talking with Gary uh, Tacarlis, who is the executive director of Vermont Recovery Network. Gregory, it's an emotional week. It's a hard week. It's a five-year anniversary. The pain never goes away. We know that. Is there is there some hopeful message here too, though, on, on this? Uh, anniversary eve oh absolutely you know <clears throat> that's what jenna was all about and i'll always remember uh when uh jenna first passed away someone came up to us and and basically said you know you can channel your pain into purpose and i think that that's really the message that we've taken and so even on days that are difficult where we remember you know jenna who uh you know was absent from our lives i also remember that, you know, she was so passionate about trying to help other people. And to turn that day into a day where, you know, we can be uh, talking about hope and recovery and that there's, um, you know, a pathway forward and that people genuinely care about people who are striving to, you know, get help and people who have been in recovery uh, over the long term and how they are people we can look up to and our heroes. That to me, you know, it it um, is ballast. It centers me, and it makes me feel good about um, Jenna's legacy. And um, I think that she'd be, I think that she'd be really happy seeing the work that's being done in her name. 
And I've, I've heard your dad and your mom and you, uh, really help define the distinction between the addicted and, and the person. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just basically what happens with, with substance use disorder is, you know, the presence of a drug hijacks what's called the reward circuit in the brain. This is the stuff that drives all of us to do what we do, right? Um, you know, we get up every day because, you know, we are, you know, thirsty, we are hungry, you know, something's calling to us, we want to go to work, we want to go, you know, take care of our kids. These are all very basic drives that, you know, um, are what animate us. And so the introduction of an addictive drug actually allows the drug to kind of go in and especially depending on, you know, your genes, um, can really basically take that over and, you know, you're looking at uh, this, this disease basically, which is, is not a choice, but, um, it, it pulls people down this path and it really takes over a lot of their, their, you know, ability to be able to choose freely because all you can think about is that need for that drug. Um, and it's overwhelming. I mean, you've seen people who are struggling even with cigarettes. Most of us have, have, you know, interacted with those people all our lives too. And they, many of them would love to stop, but they can't because of that, that addiction. And so they need support. Um, and, and they need our, our love and they need, um, us to encourage them um, when they are trying to get help and, and to root for them too. And, you know, it is very possible. It is hard, but it's, it is very possible and people do it. And, um, that's what makes people in recovery such heroes and, and so amazing, uh, for us to look up to. Thank you for that, Gregory. Uh, Gary, I want to, um, circle back with you. You have, uh, recovery centers all across Vermont and, in in every region, somebody can pick up a phone. Can you take us from the phone call, sort of the, the, the beginning and sort of how that triage and then how it roots yeah, how people? It, sure. But before I start with that, uh, Bradley, I want to just say that the Tatro family is an absolute incredible family. And it's no wonder that Jenna was in the midst of her addiction, still wanting to help others. As you can hear from talking to Gregory, and if you have the privilege to talk to his dad or mom, it's a it's a, an amazing, loving, caring, giving family. And I just uh, shout out to all the Tetros for everything they do and for the wonderful family that they have. It's it's a gift to Vermont for sure. Agreed. So, so with regards to how someone gets involved. Um, it can be a walk through the front door of a recovery center. Uh, if, if you went to vtrecoverynetwork.org, you would see all of our members there and their phone numbers and contact information. Um, and, you know, the, the beginning, when someone does that, what happens immediately is they walk into a room or a center, and all of a sudden they are fully accepted for who they are which is a, almost a shock to their system because what they've experienced before coming through those doors is the stigma that Gregory talked about, the uh, trauma that they've experienced in active addiction. And all of a sudden now they are surrounded by people who are in recovery from the same thing they're going through, who understand where they're at, who appreciate them for who they are. 
and they're just wrapped around with this kind of love and support, and the magic starts to happen right there. And, you know, I can, there's many a story of, of people walking through the door. They had lost hope. Um, we hold the hope for them for a period of time until they get their bearings, and then we give that back to them. And you watch the evolution over the days and weeks and the unfolding of the person that they are in recovery. And it's, it's a miracle to watch, and it's profound the difference that, that takes place for them. They may eventually uh, get a job. They uh, make new connections in recovery. And then um, they start to smile and laugh and, and have some fun. Um, it's just a terrific thing to see and experience. But it all starts with that walk through the door, make that phone call, talk to someone who understands where they're at. And um, in some cases, the first phone call they make to us might lead for us helping them get into a residential treatment program for a while to um, begin developing that recovery capital that they need. And then they come out and come back to the centers, our recovery residents, one or the other. And Gary, Gregory was also talking about, you know, the importance, uh, he didn't use this word, but building self-esteem, finding a job, acclimating back to public. But really your recovery centers are the routing place for all needs, essentially, at least if you, if you can't provide it immediately, you, you can route people to things. Exactly. We'll find whatever it is that they may need, if it's medical detention or residential treatment or another community service. Our job is to make sure that we get them to that and start that process for them. Uh, yes, it's like a hub, and we won't let go until they decide that they are ready to move on to something else. But we're, we are there for them, and we understand all those needs that they may have. It's, uh, yep. Yeah. Um, so, Gregory, back to you. Uh, Johnson, Vermont, uh, there was a Catholic church where your parents were married. And uh, lo and behold, tell us a little more of the story. Yes, I uh, I had the, the honor of shoveling those steps every week in the middle of winter, and uh, I'm back doing it again. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that was that was the church that Jenna and I grew up in. Um, you know, we had funerals for family members there, um, and basically the, the church had, had closed, and they allowed us to have Jenna's funeral uh, reception there, and my wife Amy and a group of other family members made this the, the old uh, church just beautiful for that reception. And, uh, you know, when Jenna passed away, uh, she had a life insurance policy, and we found that the the money uh, that uh, they were asking for for that church uh, to buy almost matched exactly Jenna's life insurance money. And so that was really the beginning of, of that journey um, <clears throat> where we, you know, used the life insurance money to buy that church. We call it Jenna's House Community Center, as my parents like to say, because it truly is Jenna's house. Um, and uh from there, you know, we, we really try to focus on reducing the stigma with that building. So we try to bring people in uh, from all walks of life, whether they're in recovery or not. And, you know, you might be standing in a line uh, with a bunch of people or in a group, and the person across from you might be in recovery. The person to your right might not be. Uh, but we're all together leveling that, that playing field and breaking down that stigma and allowing people to see, oh, 
people in recovery are just like me. You know, we have this sometimes in, in the media, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of the days after 9-11 where, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of the conversation was like every Muslim is a terrorist. And it's like, of course, that's not true. You know, and I think sometimes uh, we fall into the trap with some of our narratives that every, you know, uh, person who is who is has substance use disorder is a criminal. And that's just so far from the truth. And so by having these meetings, by having these gatherings, um, we are helping to break down that stigma. And that was the first step in a much larger program of Jenna's Promise that we, uh, you know, tried to kind of nail down and and fill the gaps of the larger uh, lacking national model. Yeah, it's just uh, amazing. And and I echo what Gary said. You know, all of your efforts through an emotional journey have been uh, heroic. Gregory, I just want to go back to you real quickly. Um, this is tomorrow's a tough day, but um, you're working to build, uh, take tragedy to hope. Can you can you tell us what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So last year for the four year anniversary of Jenna's passing, we had this really beautiful big event up at Jenna's house. Uh, we had the former Lieutenant Governor Molly Gray kind of give a keynote speech and. You know, we tried to kind of transition from, you know, uh, feeling the heaviness of loss and then transitioning to hope. Um, this year, we just uh, have so much going on. It's hard for us to have the bandwidth to put on uh, a big event. But we got to thinking about, you know, what was it that, that was most important to Jenna? And like I said before, even when she was struggling, she was working to try to help people get into uh, recovery, and those who were in recovery to stay in recovery and help them with housing. Um and so I felt really appropriate for us, uh, as we're seeing some of this conversation, um, kind of take a darker turn around uh, substance use at times uh, to really kind of instead uh, utilize this uh, day to kind of um, turn a moment, I think, into momentum. Um, and so we're kind of hoping for people, if you know of somebody who has uh, – um, gotten into recovery, um, if you know of someone who has been successful, we're hoping for people just to post something on their own social media accounts um, uh, and kind of push forward a larger face, uh, a larger conversation about the, the human face, excuse me, of recovery. So um, that we're talking about that hope and that human side as well. And so we have a whole bunch of different people who are, who are uh, jumping on. Um, we have I believe we have uh, one of our senators. Um, we have, I believe, our governor uh, jumping on board. I believe we have our, our representative. We have uh, Vermont State University and um, one of the local hospitals and just a whole bunch of, of people who themselves are in recovery or know people um, to kind of post and, and I think light a little candle of hope and, and goodness here uh, for our conversation in the state. So we're getting all, we're hoping that all the posts um, will kind of use the hashtag, um, hashtag five years of hope. And um, we can pivot from Jenna's specific journey and acknowledging that to that larger idea that she was one of many who were striving for a better life, many of whom um, are striving right now as you listen to this. Um, And, you know, further, there are hundreds of people across the state who are successfully in recovery to remind people that there is hope in every person out there in recovery is a candle casting out the darkness is the hope uh, for this day uh, tomorrow. And to have that, that light and that goodness be uh, on, 
on what could otherwise be a really heavy day. Well, talk about turning something tragic into something beautiful. And it, it really also speaks to, um, you're not alone. You're, uh, you're, this effort is going to share the fact that this is out there and people can feel comfortable when they, when they go to Gary and, or go to Jenna's Promise and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and find that. Uh, I want to go to the phone lines now. We have a call, uh, Jim from Barry. Uh, welcome to the, show, Jim. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Hey, listen, um, over 20 years ago, I don't know if you guys know Bess O'Brien, the filmmaker. Yeah, um, very much so. Yep. Okay, she did a documentary maybe 22, 23 years ago, and it was screened in the Lost Nation um, theater space there at City Hall, and it all had to do with um, drug activity, um, heroin especially, in the Northeast Kingdom. And it um, there were no actors in the movie. These were real people. Um, mm-hmm. A mom went into um, her teenage son's um, sock drawer and got stabbed with a needle. And this whole film was just sensational. And this was back during the pioneer days of, What's going on with our families? You know, what's going on with um, all this activity? And I was so amazed at the end of the documentary film. I know you guys will want to watch this. You can get it somewhere. And the real people in the documentary movie came out and did a panel. Mm-hmm. And they were people that were ages from teenagers right up, you know, through older adults. And the one thing that I remembered, and thank God that crap never entered my body, is that he said, once an addict, always an addict. You will never, ever forget that feeling that comes over you and it's easy to relapse, but you've got to get your hands on Bess O'Brien's documentary movie. And I'm, I'm thinking 22, 23 years ago, yep. and it's all real people. Great. Thank you very much and for the... Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it knows no boundaries. It's, it doesn't matter on wealth. It doesn't matter on anything. And thank you so much. All right. We appreciate the call, Jim. Thank Thanks so much. Uh, Gary, I want to, uh, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, we've been sure. talking about Montpelier, uh, quite a bit this morning on other segments. What, what activity is going on there that you want to highlight that is helping the efforts? Sure. This year, <clears throat> um, building on a very successful legislative session last year where almost $3 million was pumped into the recovery centers and recovery residences, um, uh, we have three things that we're focused on this year. One is to take uh, statewide a program that started at the Turning Point Center of Rutland where their recovery coaches went into Marble Valley Regional Correctional Center and started to hold groups with some of the men there who um, have a substance use disorder. And then eventually their, their coaches <clears throat> were available once those men left so there was a nice transition from correctional center back into community life 
with someone that they already had a connection with to help them navigate life back in the community. And we know that um, the highest overdose death rate of any group is those that are coming out of the correctional center. It's some uh, like 120% higher than um, someone else who is not involved in the correctional system. So that program, um, the Department of Corrections has been very supportive of wanting to see that grow across all six correctional centers in the state. And um, that's right now percolating through the, the house um, is a $1.5 million uh, uh, ticket that goes with that. Um, our recovery residences, um, are, there's hope to put three new ones online this year, uh, two in, in Bennington, one in Barrie, and to lift the, um, the wages and benefits of all those staff that work in those recovery residences across the state. Um, already the opiate settlement committee, that's the committee that handles all that big pharma money that is coming into the state because of the opioid epidemic. Um, uh, $325,000 has been recommended from that committee to provide scholarships for people who don't have the funds but want to go into a recovery residence. Um, so that would prevent anyone not being able to get in there, the, the ability to go into a recovery residence. Very important for someone early in recovery. And those are the boots on the ground workers, and and uh, so uh, sounds great. We're running out of time here. Uh, we've got about thirty seconds. I want to thank you both uh, for being with me this morning, and uh, for those of you who are have a recovery story, tomorrow post it on social media, uh, spread the word. There is hope, Gregory. There's hope. There is hope. All right. Well, I want to thank you both. Uh, for being with me. This is Brad Furland, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV, here in Waterbury, Vermont. And uh, we hope you have a happy Valentine's Day. And if you're struggling with addiction, uh, the recovery centers are out there. Give a call, walk through the door. Uh, the, you're, there's a journey ahead.